Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. All right, we're, we're kicking off a new series today called Make a Difference. And um, our series text is going to be out of Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 19. And I'm going to pray before I read God's word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you that it's life-changing to us. Thank you today, Holy Spirit, that you want to do a great work through us. You give us the word to do a great work in us so you can do a great work through us. So we love you today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 19 says this. You are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. Today I want to talk to you, and I'm going to begin a series called Make a Difference. And when I think about Make a Difference, this whole idea of influence has been something that's really been stirring in my heart. We just came off of a series on spiritual warfare, and now it's time to put it into practice. And uh, uh, really uh, recognizing our spheres of influence, sometimes we think uh, we have to do this uh, world-shaking thing to have some sort of influence, but I really want to boil it all the way down to how influence works. And today, I'm going to talk to you along the lines of the stewardship of influence. We've all been given it, and it's up to us to, to steward that influence that he's given us. Again, Jeremiah 15, 19, you are to influence them do not let them influence you. The word, the word influence means this. It's the power to have an important effect on someone or something that changes the way they believe, the way they think, or the way they behave. Hey, do me a favor just really quick. Pull out your phones. If you've got your phones out, go ahead and share the live feed right now. I want you to share it on your page because I feel like this new series that we're getting ready to do is going to have an impact on some of your friends that may not be at church today. Or maybe you have a friend that doesn't know the Lord. I believe today it's going to make an impact on their life. Again, the word influence means the power to have an important effect on someone or something that changes the way they believe, the way they think, or the way they behave. Um, I heard this the other day, that they say the average person will, by the time they pass away, influence 70,000 people in their lifetime. You're like, me? 70,000 people, that's an average person. So if you think, well, I'm just kind of this mundane, nobody really cares, I'm not really making an impact, listen to me, you're gonna influence, by the time you pass from this earth to your heavenly home, 70,000 people, that's a lot of influence. The problem is, is our way of categorizing what influence looks like. We think if we're not, uh, you know, if we're not bringing in semi-truck loads of food to the most impoverished nation in the world, we're not making an impact. If we, so I want us to boil this thing of influence down to bare bones. 2 Corinthians 10 says it this way, verse 13 through 16, says the area of influence God has assigned us to reach you. Notice what he says, there's an area of influence. Everybody raise your hand. If you're watching online, raise your hand right there where you're sitting at, eating your breakfast burrito today. Just raise your hand. Here's why I'm having you raise your hand. It's because he says the area of influence God has assigned to you. So I say, I have influence. All right, you can put your, you can put your hand down. You're a good class this morning. I like it. The, the point is, is that God has assigned us 
with an area of influence, but there's an intention or a motive by which he gives us that influence. And here was, here's what it is, is to reach you. That means the influence that God is giving you is to make a difference in the point that you would help reach others. Then he says this, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence, so he goes from personal to us. Come on, all of us together, collectively, doing something for God, having a vision uh, from Jesus to make an impact in a region. That's all of us. He starts to transition the terminology. And he says, our area of influence may be greatly enlarged. Come on, somebody. How many want to get bigger? Some of you are like, I need to go the other way. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about physically. Praise God. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about taking over territory. He says that they would greatly enlarge so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. So all of a sudden he starts to, to deal with the, the level and the, and the idea of influence. Now, God doesn't give us influence just for us. He doesn't give us influence for our own benefit. God gives us influence because he has something in mind. Everybody say something in mind. God's always got a plan. I was singing that song the other day. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't know it, he's working. Even when I don't understand it, he's working. And all of a sudden, it's like this idea that, that God has given us this, this level of influence, the, the, the power to affect somebody is wrapped up in this thing called influence. God has something on his mind. I was reminded of a story uh, in, from 1975, <clears throat> the year I was born. And... Uh, and uh, there's these two guys, one by the name of Lauren Cunningham. He is the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And the other one was Bill Bright. He's the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And these two guys were meeting together for lunch in Colorado. And as they were meeting together, they, they flew in both of them to Colorado the night before. And as they went to sleep, they, they had dreams. Each of them had a dream. And so they came to lunch the next day. And Bill said to Lauren, he said, hey, I, I had a dream last night. Lauren said, that's funny, I had a dream also. And they said, well, they wrote their dreams down. They said, well, what's the dream you had? And so God gave them the exact same dream the night before they were to meet together. And the dream was this. He showed them the seven mind motors of society. Or he showed them the seven spheres or the seven mountains of influence. And here's what they are. I'll break them down for you. Church, they should be on the screen. Church, government, arts and entertainment, education, business, media, and family. All of these seven areas, you can categorize our nation and our country in these seven areas. Somewhere along the line, something fits within these categories. These are the influences of the day. How many know media has an, media has an influence on us? Your family has an influence on you. Arts and entertainment have an influence on you. You know, Big Ten needs to get with it. Praise God, I'm having problems. Come on. Hope it ain't the team up north holding us back. Praise God. Okay, let's go. Um, sorry. But the church, come on, we have influence. Government, there's influence. But I, I want to put an image up for you because this is our mindset when it comes to these areas of influence. And it's this. We have the church on the right, and we have everybody else on the or the, excuse me, church on the left, everybody else on the right. So our, our categorized mindset and our mindset is this. Church, being a Christ follower, is separate 
from all the other areas. This is how we think. We go to church on Sunday. We think about church from a four-walled perspective. So what we have done is we've removed church as a main area of influence and separated, saying the church must be separate from the world in order to reach the world. Now, when I say that, I don't mean you act like the world. I mean there's a different level of influence that you'll have because you understand who you are in Christ. So this is, there's a wall in the church today. We don't think that we're the church of Jesus Christ when we step into our businesses. We're a businessman. We're not a Christ follower that runs a business. Come on, somebody. You know, how many, you know Chick-fil-A. It's Sunday. I always bring it up on Sunday, don't it? Bring it up on Sunday. <clears throat> Chick-fil-A, think about it. I mean, the, these people, I mean, it's like you get this mentality, like it's, it's, not, it's not a separation. It, it, is, it is the church is really the core and the foundation by which everything else is influenced in our society. And so here's what it really should look like, is the church should be at the center, affecting as the centerpiece or the, or the hub the other areas of influence. And, and this is the thought pattern that we have to get across in our mindset today is that we are called to make a difference. We are called to influence others. Now, I'm gonna make a statement that may bother some of you, and here's the statement. The church is not the hope of the world. The church is not the hope of the world. See, because we have churches meeting all day today, all over the place, people's meeting together. This mentality is different than the church is the hope of the world. Here's the difference. The church that is mobilized is the hope of the world. Not just the church in general. It's kind of like your Bible. Your Bible does you no good if you don't crack it open and read it. You know, the truth can't set you free if you don't know it. If you just set your Diet Coke on it all the time, come on somebody. If you just set, if you just set your, your plate on it, it's a placeholder in your, in your living room, and you never open it up, you can sit there and stare at your Bible all day long and go, boy, I wish I could be free. Boy, I wish I could free. It's not going to set you free that way. It's the same way with the church. It's the same way with understanding that it's not just the church in general. It's the church that realizes it has a mission. It's the church that realizes that it's mobilized to be salt and light in the earth and that we are called to influence every sphere of society. So if you're in the media, by God, James, you should, you should influence society. Come on, somebody. If you're in business, you should be using it to influence the kingdom of God. If you're in government, amen. <laughs> you should be using your platform to advance the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 13 says this. You are the salt for the whole human race. Listen to that. This is Jesus uh, describing who the church is. The church, he says, is the salt for the whole human race. I don't know about you, but I sure love salt on my french fries. It makes it a whole lot better. How many know salt makes things better? Yeah. <laughs> Too much salt can make things bad, but praise God. The little bit does well. You are the salt for the whole human race. In, in, in other words, God tells us this. Our influence is to make things better, like salt. Salt makes things better. 
We're not to make things worse. If we're going to have influence in the earth, the church is called to make things better. Then he tells us this in Matthew 5, 16. He says, let your light shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. What's light do? It makes it brighter. So we're called to make things better and to make things brighter. That's what the church is called to do. In every sphere of influence, whether it's business, media, church, government, uh, arts and entertainment, family, whatever the sphere of influence God has given you, he has called us to make things better and make things brighter. So when he says you're the salt and the light, that's what he's trying to describe to you. So there's three questions around the area of influence that I want to answer this morning, and they're really simple. Number one, why? How many know when you understand the why, all of a sudden it makes, it makes a bigger impact in your heart when you understand the why? And here's the why to your influence. God likes it when you love his other kids. What do I mean by that? I mean not just the folks that come to the four walls of a building. I'm talking about people that are in your, in your, in your job or wherever you have your sphere of influence. I'm talking about the people that don't know Jesus yet, that God loves it and likes it when you love his other kids instead of just my four and no more. See, the idea is this, is when, you, when, when we lose something, how many ever lose anything? You lose your keys? How many of you know you don't care about what else you possess? You're not walking around looking for your keys going, man, I'm worried about my house right now. I hope my house don't blow away. You're not, you're, like, you're not worried about what you currently possess. There's something that takes over you when you're looking for your keys. You're flipping the, you're flipping the couch over. You're, you're throwing books away. I mean, you're, you're pulling out drawers. And, why? You're getting tenacious when you can't find your keys. Why? Because your focus is on what is lost. God's heart for the church of Jesus Christ is stop worrying about what we already possess and start going after what's lost. I did not start Real Life Church for just the believer to grow up, get spiritually fat, and kill over. I started Real Life Church to reach people that are far from Jesus. And you can be in or you can be out. That's where I'm at today. Like, we, we got to come and, and use our, our area of influence. God likes it when we go after. Listen, here's a stat you need to know. That there are 350,000 churches registered in the United States today. And two out of three are declining or plateaued. 1,400 pastors leave the ministry a month, meaning their church doors is closed every single month. Why is that? Is we don't know why we're here. And here's what the Lord began to show me. I read a couple uh, 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 thoughts. Is that the vast majority of the local church growth that we see today is driven by local church death. Here's what I mean by that. I don't like it over here, so I go over here. This church is dying, so I go to this church that is alive. I get that, but listen to me for a minute. That's not the number one reason the church is on the planet. The number one reason the church is on the planet is to reach God's kids that are lost that will spend eternity in hell. But what, here's what we've done. we've done. We've been really busy at making sure the aquarium is sparkling. 
We, we got an aquarium called the church and the church building, and we're making sure that all that functions really well. We'll make sure it's clean, make sure the fish ain't crapping on themselves. Don't make me call you out because I know some of you. <laughs> the, the aquarium, we're, we're so focused on the aquarium. Is the aquarium working okay? And Jesus never called us to take hold of the aquarium. Jesus said, go out into the deep for a great catch. Well, Lord, we've been fishing all day out here. We've been out here all day, Lord. We've been fishing all day. Wait a minute. Then he says this. He says, then cast it on the other side. He said, cast it on the right side of the boat. And the Bible says that when they listened to the Lord, that there was a great catch, that the boat began to sink. They had to call for people from other places to come take care of the fish. What would the church look like today if I had to call down to Pastor Shannon and say, I got too many people getting saved. You want some? See, we don't think like that because we come to church and we get our coffee and we sing three songs and we go home and go back to normal. Influence is different. God wants us to be people of influence. Jesus said this, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Come on, man, you don't need anybody else telling you what to do. The why behind influence is that God loves his other kids and they're lost and he wants us to go out and fish for them. I know, we don't, I know why we don't like fishing in deep water. It's scary out there. We went on a cruise one time when the kids were little and I took Braden on a fishing excursion out. We went on the Disney cruise and we had docked and we were going to take a little fishing excursion. Just me and him and this old Jamaican guy and his daughter. We get in their boat, we come around the edge of the ship, this dude opens up the boat in the middle of the ocean. First time ever. This young man, sitting in the back of the boat, <laughs> and we're rolling. And we get out there, and we're, we're, we're getting ready to get our, our fish on, and you know, Braden loves the fish, and so we're out there getting ready to fish, and, and, and the Jamaican guy, we throw it out there, and, and he goes, make sure you reel fast. And we're like, why we need to reel fast? He said, because the shark will eat your fish. Shoo. Braden put the pole down, sat down in the chair. He said, shark trying to eat my fish, and I ain't doing that. <laughs> Eventually, he got over it. The point is, is we don't like deep water because we can't see what's underneath us. We like the shore because it's familiar. We like to hang on to the shore, our church programs, our church traditions, our church way of doing things, protect the aquarium. When God is saying, let go of the shore and launch out into the deep for a great catch, we're not going to catch people hanging on to the shore. <laughs> Influence. Hebrews says this, don't forget to do good things for others and share what you have with them. These are the kinds of sacrifices that please God. Isn't that what you want? You want to stand before your heavenly father one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Then we're going to have to switch our mentality. Mother Teresa said it this way. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Let that sink in for just a moment. If you're watching online, let that sink in just for a moment, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. It's your destiny. 
Ephesians says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Why? Because God wants us to love his other kids that are not in the aquarium yet. He wants us to launch out into the deep. Listen to me. Some of you live a boring Christian life. You're constantly fighting with depression. You're constantly fighting with oppression. I heard this the other day. The opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. I don't have to mess with depression because I have a purpose. I understand that there's an assignment on my life and I have to go and pursue that assignment. And then depression can't live on me anymore because I have a purpose. And I'm understanding why I'm here on the earth. It's, it's a purpose. It's an assignment. You understand why you were born. You don't have time for depression. Listen, my glass is all the way full. I don't have time to put depression in it. I got too much joy, peace. Uh, come on, somebody. I got too much Holy Ghost in my glass to get anything else in there. But why don't we get it? Why don't we understand it? Why don't we get the why behind the Great Commission and reaching people? Why don't we get the idea of influence? Why don't we get it? Why don't we do it? It's because we live too fast. We're in a hustle for the next thing. You don't even know. You came to church this morning. Some of you are going to go from here. You're going to jump up from your seat and you're going to walk right out the door, not knowing who's in your row today. Not knowing if somebody in your row needs to hear, hey man, I don't know what's going on, but I'm praying for you this week. See, there's a difference. We live too quick. We want to get to the Cracker Barrel as if the food is even good. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I like to fly, sort of. I fly, and how many know when you fly, you're going 600 mile an hour over cities? You jump and you take off, and you just, you're rolling. You can see lights. You may be able to see some buildings. But when you're 35,000 feet off, 36,000 feet off the ground, you're way up there and you're moving 600 miles an hour. How many know you can't see much? But how many know when you're driving and you, you, you can see it all? You're like, oh, there's a tree. Hey, look, there's a cow. You can't see that when you're flying. Why? Because you're moving too quick. When you slow down, all of a sudden, you can see why you exist. You can see the very details of your life coming to pass that God has created us to make an influence on other people. Hurry is the enemy of love. Hurry is the enemy of love. Slow down and look around you and know that God loves his other kids that aren't in the aquarium they're out in the deep. Number two is this, where? Where? Where Where does this happen at? Point yourself in the chest right now. Your world. This is where it happens. Happens in your world. It happens in your work. It happens in your family. It happens in one of the, the spheres. Listen, God's plan is for every Christian to change their world. Here's what I mean by that. Don't overcomplicate it. If you change your world, we can change the world. We always want to change the world, and we don't even have a recognition of the influence we have on the, on the people that's living within the four walls of our home. Come on, somebody. Come on, man. We want to change the political climate of our country. What about them lost kids that are walking through your house every day? 
See, here's the point. The point is this. It's where you are. You have an area of influence yourself, wherever that may be. Listen, God's never going to ask you to do something he's not gifted you to do, equip you, and give you a passion to do it. Right where you are, there is something already in your life. Don't overcomplicate influence. There is something already in your life, an influence you already have, whether you realize it or not. Some of you, it's other moms. Use the influence to do the why. Some of you, it's a business. Use the influence for the why. Some of you, it's, we did summer baseball for years. It's summer baseball or soccer or sports and athletics. Listen, use it for the why. Maybe it's motorcycle riding. Maybe you have a lot of friends that ride motorcycles. Use it for the why. We overcomplicate where influence is supposed to happen. Exodus chapter four, verse number two, is a story of a guy by the name of Moses. God had come to him in a burning bush. It was already, it started off weird. He came to him in a burning bush, and all of a sudden, God started speaking to him in a burning bush, and he tells him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. All of a sudden, Moses starts going down the list. I'm not qualified. I can't talk. I stutter a lot. Who, who am I gonna say sent me? All this sort of stuff, and, and like God calls him to this. You know, think about the, the moment where he's getting ready to cross the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army's breathing down his back, and he's ready to, to take over Moses. Listen to, what, listen to what God said. He says this, then the Lord said to Moses, what is in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. In other words, here's what God was saying. What's in your hand? Right where you are is the place of influence. Stop waiting for influence to take place. Stop waiting for it to happen in some grand, big way. Just influence the place you are right now. For wherever you are is the place that God has you to influence right now. Galatians 6.4 says this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Here's how God put it to me. Bless people in their there. <laughs> Bless people in their there. Bless them right where they are. You know, right in the place. I love what Helen Keller said. She said this, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. Come on, somebody. We are all called to do influence where we are. And number three is this, how? How do we do this? How do we walk in a level of influence? Again, we're stewarding the influence God has given us. The next few weeks, we're going to look at characteristics of influence. Number one is be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting, the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, Holy Spirit lives in you. He's there to guide you. Listen, if you, if you listen to him long enough, he's going to nudge you about something. You know, you've ever been sitting in the car line at Starbucks, and all of a sudden you have that thought, I should bless the people behind me. And you're like, nope, can't, not going to do it. Like, it. You think that that would never make an impact. You don't know what single mom is sitting behind you that's looking under her chair just so she can have a cup of coffee, looking for change to pay for her bill. When God prompts you, follow the prompting. When God urges you, just do it. That's how influence is here. That's how it happens. If you listen to him, he's going to nudge you into the things that he has for you. Listen, start every morning this way. Start every morning with this. Holy Spirit, 
here I am. I'm available. Are you available? Are you, are you slow down enough to be available for him? To live and steward the influence that God has given you. Christianity can become boring for most because we're not living within the wonderful reality that God wants us to make a difference. Christianity is not all four hours in prayer. That's a part of it. It's not all just in the word all the time. Sometimes you have to step out of that place of prayer. You have to step out of that place of the word and actually say, I have influence right where I am and how am I gonna make a difference in the day? And number two is this, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. It's that simple. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of the people that are around you. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says this. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them right now. How do we do it? We understand the why. It's about an influence to make a difference with people that don't know Christ. Where does that happen? Wherever we are. How does it happen? We listen to the Holy Spirit. We find a need and fill it. We find a hurt and heal it. It's that simple. It's not grander. It's not a bunch of big stuff. It might just be a plate of cookies to somebody that's next door because the Spirit of God nudged you, which opens a conversation for you to tell them about Jesus Christ. Come to my house with a plate of cookies. I'll listen to anything you've got to say. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. In other words, the how is birthed out of the why. Understanding that every place that we put our foot is a potential place for influence. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I wanna take a moment and I wanna pray for you before we take our offering up, that God would awaken through this series, the idea, slow down, quit living in the airplane, start driving the car and looking at the details of others' lives. Some of you, it's right within your home. Do you realize the influence that you have on your family? Men of God, set the pace. You have an influence on the little kids that are in your house. Set the pace. So let me pray for you this morning before we receive our offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in your church today. As we recognize the why, that it's about reaching those that are far from you. It's about right where we are, and ultimately, Lord, help us to see needs. 
Help us to see needs. Help us to help us to see hurts. Help us to be active in reaching people by seeing a need, filling a need, seeing a hurt, healing a hurt. That God, you would cause us to step out, even in the most unusual ways, with the idea that God, we would reach people. That we wouldn't continue to cling to the shore because lost people matter to you. We would no longer cling to the shore, but we would we would go out in our boat into the highways and the byways. We'd launch out into the deep in this season, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would awaken us to the level of influence that we really have. And so we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Praise God. Listen, we're gonna take up our offering now. And before we take up our offering, you know, we have a mission and our mission Our mission is this, is that you would know God, that you would find freedom, that you would discover purpose, and that you would make a difference. You know, when we began this year, God started with a prophetic word. And the word was this, God's not done, it's a year of rescue. That's a word that has burned in my heart since January, even through all this craziness. The word of God is still strong of what he wants to do. 2020 is not over. I believe we can see an acceleration of growth of people knowing God between now and the end of the year. Why? Because that's what he promised. He promised it would be a year of rescue. He promised that it would be a year that he's not done with us in our church. And at the beginning of the year, God God gave us an initiative. And that initiative was before Easter, that, that we would pay off our land that we own. For those of you that are new, I want you to know that we own land up on Social Row Road. It's, we have 6.7 acres. If you've ever driven by there, you'll see our sign out there. But God gave us an initiative, and then COVID hit. People were losing their jobs. People were furloughed. And I just didn't feel right through COVID talking about paying something off when you were struggling to figure out where in the world things were gonna come from. But I want you to know this, and I wanted it to be personal. I didn't want it to be at a place where I was talking to you through a camera. I wanted to see your eyeballs. And today, I'm announcing, go ahead, put it up. Paid in full. Come on, somebody. Paid in full. Paid in full, come on, give it to Jesus this morning. Listen, here's what's crazy about this. You ready? You ready? I waited. You know how long I've had to wait for this? Here's why. The goal was met. It was paid off before Easter. Our goal was Easter. It was paid off before Easter. I've been sitting on this thing since Easter. So I want to read you something before we close today, and here's what I want to read you. It's something I read in January. Stay standing, and we'll close. It's called The Church That I See. It's not about being having land that's paid for. It's not about having a facility. Those are just tools to do what we just said. The why. The, the land, the payoff of the land. The, the building that will go on that piece of property. Listen, this is what I see. 
the church that I see, I see a church hungry to know God. I see a church that is passionate to worship, free from the opinion and fear of man. I see a church so attractive and so refreshing that the building struggles to contain the increase. I see a church where miracles still happen, physically, emotionally, mentally, not only on Sundays, but at home, work, and on the street. I see a church where the people have found a relationship with God instead of religion, where living for God is no longer an obligation. It's a heartfelt desire. I see a church full of people who are growing in God and discovering that God wants to use them to make a difference. I see a church where God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things by serving the people of our city so that they in turn would open their hearts to God. I see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I see a church so committed to raising, training, and empowering the next generation. I see a church who never stops searching for lost people because God never stops searching for us. I see a people so kingdom-minded that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep this land. I see the church that realizes that none of this can happen on their own ability. Instead, they are a church that is committed to prayer and dependent on the Holy Spirit. I see a church where Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. Come on, let's worship. Come on, let's worship. Come on, let's thank him. Let's thank him for what is to come. Come on, let's thank him for what is to come.
I know, I know some of you thought I forgot, but I didn't forget. We are taking an offering. Come on, somebody. Aye, come on now. Listen, thank you again for your faithfulness. For those of you that were able to give towards the, the, the land, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Listen, we're going to take, as you give online, we're going to take off the land piece, and it's only going to say building now. So you better give towards the building fund. Hey, praise God. So when that million rolls up, come on, somebody. Amen. Don't be hesitating. I love you. Listen real quick. I would tell you to text the number on your screen. Uh, but if you've already texted, you can. Um, if you want to give, you can give at liberallife.com. We also have a way to give uh, cash or check. There's a giving station back there. Feel free to give. We're trying to give touchless uh, around here. And so, again, if you want to give liberallife.com, you can just click the give button, give you a couple steps, and then um, text the word, text the number. Let me see if I got it on my notes. We're having some technical difficulties. I do not have it on my notes, but if you if you feel like you want to text us some a substantial amount of money, just come see me. I'll figure out the number. Praise God. <laughs> Kidding. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your faithfulness. Thank you today, Lord, for the hearts of your people. Thank you today, Lord, as we celebrate your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for the next phase of our church. Thank you that as we remain faithful, as we remain faithful to give, as we remain faithful to do what you've asked us to do, we thank you today that there'll be more people that will be influenced and changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. I do want to tell you, though, be watching your emails and stuff. Next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a cookout and a party up at the property. Come on, somebody. We're going to have some. We're going to bring our lawn chairs and our cornhole, and Sean Waldman's going to cook for us, and, and we'll send out an information thing for you to bring some. Now, listen, when you bring stuff to parties we have around here, do not bring your brand-new Pinterest recipe if it's not been tried out on anybody. I ain't trying to die, okay? Please use one that's been proven and your family is still alive. I love you. Have an amazing week, everybody. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.